0: Father, again, we gather knowing the, uh, the fullness of your grace and truth and resting in that and uh, opening up the word together, uh, here this morning that we might understand it as the Spirit gives us uh, that understanding that we need. And Father, I pray for us as we, uh, fellowship together this morning that you would do that great work in us. Or without the teaching of the spirit we really cannot understand your word and though we may, we may be intellectually competent <laughs> we're not competent spiritually unless you open our hearts often there's blindness that still uh, resides there that needs to be removed and so father we just look to see you work in that regard uh father i i pray for our our nation as leaders our in our government on every level, but especially, Father, in these very dark days uh, here in this nation and in the world, I pray for our President, Father, and those that stand with him there to roll back uh, history somewhat, to uh, undo uh, as much of what has been done to take our nation away from its founding principles of true liberty established by you, not by man, uh, and, uh, and, and guarded uh, in practical ways by, by our Republican constitutional form of government. So, Father, I just pray that you would uh, enable them to accomplish that purpose which, for which there is so much opposition uh, mounting, as it seems, daily. So, Father, we just uh, pray for them, that you'd keep them, protect them, encourage them, and, and give them success. Uh, there are many challenges in the world, Father, as well. Uh, darkness is great there too, of course, uh, and uh, we just pray, Father, that our nation might, in some way, be enabled to lead and guide there in ways that are are, are uh, beneficial and consistent, Father, with your will and purpose for these days in which we live father we look forward to uh, opening the word now so please uh, uh bless us in a special way so father we would ask all of this in christ's name amen i had not planned on uh getting into great detail here as we looked into the kingdom itself and the revelation of that period where Christ will sit on a throne in Jerusalem ruling. And uh with everything else that will be happening in the kingdom, there, there's many details revealed in Scripture. But I had not planned here, as we were finishing up uh shortly, our studies in the long war against God. I had not planned in spending so much time on this. However, <clears throat> it really is necessary. Um, if you were with us last time, you uh, just received barely an introduction, really, in uh, one aspect of the kingdom. Now remember, the Day of the Lord is is broken up into three parts in Scripture, uh, in 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 prophecy, three parts. Uh, first of all, the seven year tribulation period, during which time God prepares uh, Israel for the second coming of their. Messiah second coming of Christ right to this earth and he provides an elect nation at that time it's necessary to have an elect nation because the kingdom will be the time for the fulfillment of the inheritance promises that God gave to Israel so long ago so that there be a nation uh, to enter into that kingdom an elect saved nation is absolutely critical Uh, And that's the major purpose of the tribulation period, that even Satan is not able to prevent the plan of God from occurring. And you know what Satan's going to do through uh, the Antichrist, the false prophet, and the beast, and so forth. We've spent much time looking into that. The second uh, phase of the day of the Lord is the return of the Lord, right, to this earth. Uh, And the third phase is the kingdom itself uh, that will last 1,000 years. What we saw last time as we began to study the subject of the kingdom itself is that there are various themes in Scripture, some of which come to full completion uh, in the millennial kingdom. Uh, In fact, most do. uh, Most of the themes of prophecy, certainly come to completion in the millennial kingdom there are a few still unresolved at that point but uh, by the end of the kingdom uh, it will be taken care of right like the final rebellion of uh, of satan uh, which will occur at the very end of the kingdom and then uh, his imprisonment uh, in the lake of fire and all those that have followed after him putting all the Spirit beings in the heavenlies, right, who have fallen after him, uh, followed after him. So that's uh what will conclude prophecy, uh apart from the new heavens and the new earth, that is the final part. And that shall never end, the new heavens and the new earth. Uh, we read of this towards the end of the book of Revelation, right, where there's much detail given. Um uh, so the themes uh that we find in the millennial kingdom are revealed pretty clearly in some detail in scripture especially in uh the the Old Testament prophets especially uh, Isaiah uh and uh Jeremiah and Ezekiel right um and we've already looked into that last time. We saw last time that, that regarding um, these different themes, the time before we looked at Israel's coming Messiah as prophet, right, as the, the promised prophet, uh, like unto Moses, going look, looking back there at Deuteronomy chapter 18, where this was promised that God would raise up a prophet someday, like unto Moses, only quite different from Moses also in many ways, and and he would provide the revelation which the people of God living in the kingdom must obey, right? Uh, there'd be no errors to the revelation that he gives. That's quite different from the uh, from the false prophets who'd gone before. And that was a problem throughout Israel's history. Uh, but in the kingdom, the prophet uh, will um, reveal clearly uh, the will and purpose of God for that time the people of God must obey the rule that is set forth by that prophet and But there's another dimension to the kingdom, and that's what we looked at last time, and we'll look at again today, and we'll also look at again next week and This is what I hadn't planned on doing, but I really think we must. For completion's sake, but um, this focuses on Israel's long awaited Messiah priest, right? Uh, And all that it means to have this priest. Uh, What we have in Messiah, in our Lord Jesus, in the kingdom, is several different offices being performed by one. Person, okay? we, and the first of those is the prophet, but the second is the priest. Then the third is the the um, the king. So we have yet to look at that aspect of the millennial kingdom with Christ as king, and then finally the land uh, and how that's all uh, included as well there. So that's what we look forward to. Uh, As we continue here, but this subject of the priest is very, very uh, important. And so we'll continue with that today. One of you has your mic still unmuted. Needs to be muted, okay. Well, let me try to introduce this by summarizing where we have come last time. Uh we talked about there being two different types or orders of priest. One which is according to Aaron, <laughs> you're very familiar with that. It's called the Levitical priesthood most of the time uh, in scripture. And uh that priesthood was established under Moses, right? Under the Mosaic covenant, okay. So that's the Levitical priesthood. There's another order order of priest a different priesthood altogether from the levitical and that's called according to melchizedek you remember this from last time okay uh there's not much said about melchizedek in the old testament there are only a couple of references there but there's much written about that priesthood in the new testament and specifically in the letter to the Hebrews, okay? And, uh, that letter is written, uh, about believers uh, or regarding what it is to be a true believer under the dispensation of the grace of God and with, uh, this priesthood dominating everything, this Melchizedekian priesthood. <laughs> That's a big word, isn't it? Um, According to the priesthood of Melchizedek, uh, blessing is uh, offered. See, under the Levitical priesthood, it was uh, the avoidance of judgment uh, because the the sacrificial system, with the shedding of blood being uh, the premier part of that, was designed to allow fellowship uh, of a certain kind, we could call it ceremonial fellowship, even by those who were sinners right uh that there would nevertheless be access to the temple to at least to certain parts of that uh construction and uh and access uh into fellowship with almighty god who actually dwelled in the holy of a holy place right in that uh temple um So instead of judgment, which is what the people deserved because they were sinners breaking the law, right, uh, there could still be fellowship uh, of the ceremonial kind, and that's all because of the sacrificial system. Okay. Um, So that's the way it was under the Levitical system. But under the priesthood of Melchizedek, blessing was offered. And that blessing is based upon, ultimately upon, the shed blood not of an animal, but of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we didn't look much at that last time. We focused mostly on the sacrificial system under the Levitical priesthood, right? Uh, And then how that's going to be continued, modified, but continued in the kingdom period, and how uh, that can operate uh and i think uh, we only began to uh explain that we only began it's like unpeeling the uh, uh, the onion right <laughs> there are several level, levels here uh to look at and uh it's it's really a challenge for us because see we live under the dispensation of the grace of god we're not under law but we're under grace if we were under law it would be a different situation altogether right uh, but under grace with no law uh, there are no sacrifices right so we can't even understand today under the fullness of grace what it would be like to live under law not just human law but to live under the law of god i mean if you just think about that what does that mean to live under the law of god i mean where god is saying this you must do but you simply are incapable of perfection due to the nature of sin that dwells within us right and so as a result we're continually falling short uh if we are under a law we're not but they were right they were continuing to fall short, and the sacrificial system was given for the purpose of that. But the sacrificial system was not given, and this is a very key thing we must understand, it was not given to provide salvation, okay, because there was no true forgiveness under it. There was only the covering of sin, not the abolition or or or, or canceling of sin only a covering so those who were under the law and that if it's the mosaic law certainly there those that were under that law they had to bring the proper sacrifices in order to still have fellowship with god and if they didn't they'd be cut off cut off and that that's a very serious matter indeed okay <clears> okay <throat> So that's the situation if you're under law. But see, we're under grace today, so how can we comprehend this? Uh, How could there be sacrifices continuing in the kingdom, which is after we're raptured into heaven's glory, and certainly a long time after uh, the Lamb of God is offered up for the sins of the world? He pays the penalty uh, on the cross of Calvary by shedding his blood and then by suffering of course, uh, um, greatly there, even after that. Um, and then gloriously, gloriously raised from the dead. So how can we come to the point of understanding of this, how there could be a continuation of animal sacrifices in the kingdom? We dealt with that last time, and what I suggested to you is that um, the sacrifices – were not for the sake of providing remission of sin or true forgiveness because no sacrifice ever could provide that other than the uh, once and for all sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ, okay? So these uh, sacrifices, according to law, were only for the purpose of allowing fellowship, right? Uh, That had been broken because sinners... Do break law. This is absolutely, uh, inevitable. Everybody knows about it, right? Okay. So what we showed from scripture is last time is that the sacrificial system absolutely does continue, even in the kingdom. And we saw that from the, uh, great prophet Ezekiel's writings, especially, uh, in chapters 40 through 48. And, uh, <clears throat> let me just read a small section in chapter 43 of Ezekiel. Um, we'll start in verse 18. We read this last time. I'll just read a few verses today just to introduce this. Uh, he said to me, Son of man, thus saith the Lord God, these are the ordinances of the altar. In the day they shall make it, to offer burnt offerings thereon, and to sprinkle blood thereon. And thou shalt give to the priests, to the, the Levites, that be of the seed of Zadok, which approach unto me, to minister unto me, saith the Lord God, a young bullock for a sin offering. A young bullock for a sin offering. And thou shalt take of the blood thereof, and put it on the four horns of it, and on the four corners and upon the border round about, and thou shalt cleanse and purge it. Thou shalt take the bullock also of the sin offering, and burn it in the appointed place without the sanctuary. And he goes on and mentions goats that would be sacrificed, right, uh, as sin offerings. And he goes on and on here, talking about the various ways that the altar would be cleansed, And the priesthood themselves would be cleansed appropriately. Now, these regulations that are laid down here are not the same as laid down by Moses. It's a totally different situation. This is in the millennial kingdom, right? And we know that because he makes it very clear uh, in, in many places that this is after the new covenant is established. And uh, we looked at that last time, I think, uh, if you were with us, or if you go back and read those notes or listen to last week's teaching, you'll see that proven from Scripture, right? Uh, And so, during the Millennial Kingdom, the sacrificial system is, like, reinstituted in a different, in a modified way from what it was under Moses, okay? Um, But the amazing thing is that, this will be in the millennial kingdom, which, throughout which time, Christ as high priest will be sitting on the throne, right? And as prophet, regulating, uh, affairs on this earth, and then also as king, right? So all of these things coexist, these different offices during the millennial kingdom. Okay, so, animal sacrifices continue even when Christ, (laughs) who is raised from the dead, having already paid the full penalty for sin, uh, is ruling on the throne. This is, for us, as I've said, difficult to comprehend. It's kind of a uh, perplexing thing, to say the least. But scripture reveals us as just fact. It, It will occur exactly as written, right? Okay, so uh, it's up to us, as best we can understand it from Scripture, to comprehend that. That's why we're looking at this again this morning. Um, Now, that there is this other order of priesthood is made very, very clear. There's not only the Levitical priesthood, there's also the priesthood according to Melchizedek. That's made very clear in Psalm 110, and you remember we read from that last time, and it just simply says there, The Lord hath sworn and will not repent, thou, and this is this is speaking of the Son of God, uh, after his uh, death, burial, and resurrection, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. No. Melchizedek, okay, so uh, from Christ's resurrection, he's a priest according to the order of Melchizedek, it says here. Uh, And that will just continue on. It's true today, for example, right? And in the letter of the Hebrews, this is explained fully. We should comprehend the details of it. It's also going to be true in the millennial kingdom that he's priest according to the order of Melchizedek. However, in the millennial kingdom, we have a sacrificial system. So let us attempt to understand this a little bit better today. Um, Now, I think there are certain keys given to our understanding in Scripture. One of the main ones being that this second order of priesthood, the priesthood according to Melchizedek, is not about um the covering of sins for the sake of fellowship because those sins have already been paid for okay (laughs) once once christ has died and been buried and then gloriously raised from the dead that issue is out of the way finally right so the issue of sin and sins and the culpability of that the guilt of that and so forth it's already Taken care of in the mind of God because the Son of God has already paid the full penalty for it, however laws are instituted okay nevertheless, and I think that's that's the key to our understanding right there under the kingdom, there is law, and you know about that Christ taught much about that in his earthly ministry right the laws uh, that he will uh, establish and promote during the kingdom time were revealed by him in his earthly ministry to some degree right not not in infinite degree or anything like it but in some degree and uh, he said they must keep these laws right so there will be law imposed on the the people during the millennial kingdom both on believers and on unbelievers but there's a big difference between the believers and the unbelievers The unbelievers are not going to keep the law or even be interested in it, probably. Uh, Certainly not uh, for the most part. Believers, on the other hand, living under the kingdom law, are going to keep it. And that's made very clear. If you go back to Jeremiah chapter 31, we looked at this last time. It specifically says there that there's a difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. The old covenant, na- namely the Mosaic covenant, they broke. It says here in, in Jeremiah thirty-one thirty-two, they broke it, right? <laughs> uh, even though the Lord did everything on their behalf. That's Jeremiah 31, verse 32. Then in verse 33, he says, But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I'll put my law in their inward parts, and write it in their hearts, and will be their God, and they shall be my people. So, one big difference between the Old Covenant and the New is that the, the the Jewish nation broke the Old Covenant, but they will keep the New Covenant. How can a sinner do such as that? Because of the overwhelming power of the Spirit of God that will be operating within them okay apart from that it would not be a possibility okay now that doesn't does not mean that they will be sinless perfect and never rebelling against god they will but um they'll have a sacrificial system in the kingdom that will uh, allow for a ceremonial fellowship there okay so uh the big difference between the Old Testament and the New Covenant then has to do with the kind of work of God in that period versus the previous uh, period under Moses. Okay, uh, Back there, under Moses, they did not have the Holy Spirit upon them, uh, and they did not have the law written in their hearts, both of which they will have during the Millennial Kingdom. So there's a big difference between the two there. So there is a place for uh, sacrifice in the coming kingdom, and the reason is this law. Now, I I hope that you will begin to comprehend this. Uh, Even though Christ will sit on the throne, he's already paid the full penalty for sins, but it's not being preached except in the sense of, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world has has come, right? We we know that from the tribulation period in, in the book of Revelation makes that clear, right? Uh, so in the kingdom, they're going to know that too. So why the sacrifices then? Well, because they have broken the law of God. He's not gonna hold it against them. Uh, the payment for, has been made eternally right through the shed blood of christ but as long as that law is in place there is a ceremonial uncleanness that the people have uh, incurred and as a result that sacrificial system is given for that purpose to allow the ceremonial fellowship which is a reality during that kingdom time now uh, What I want to do is to read a couple of scriptures uh, just to summarize all of this so that you have it clearly in mind. Next time, what I'm going to do is fill in any remaining uh, uh, holes, as it were, in our understanding, or at least hope to do that. Uh, Lisa, would you please read for us in Jeremiah chapter 33, verses 14 through 18, and what we're going to see is that there will be a coexistence in the coming millennial kingdom of not only Christ sitting on the throne, but also there being a priest and a priesthood. Okay, so Lisa, would you
1: Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will perform that good thing which I have promised unto the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. In those days and at that time will I cause the branch of righteousness to grow up unto David, and she and he shall execute judgment and righteousness in the land. In those days shall Judah be saved, and Jerusalem shall dwell safely. And this is the name wherewith she shall be called the Lord our Righteousness. For thus saith the Lord, David shall never want a man to sit upon the throne of the house of Israel, neither shall the priests, the Levites, want a man before me to offer burnt offerings and to kindle meat offerings and to do sacrifice continually.
0: <laughs> okay, that, that settles the question. When the kingdom is established, Israel's Messiah, the Lord Jesus, he will be king, okay? No question about it. That's what it says right here. And he will also be priest. And there will be a priesthood with actual sacrifices being offered. The two priesthoods coexist, right? That's made so clear right there. You don't have to go anywhere else to see it revealed. Uh, we could go other places, but that makes it so clear. Um and and so it, it it that will be a reality the two will coexist now uh there are other places you could go but um there is uh no need to really uh although to understand it a little bit more fully uh we'll look at zechariah chapter six so ted would you please read from zechariah chapter six uh, a prophecy that's also about the millennial kingdom And this is verses twelve through fifteen.
2: And speaking unto him, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold, the man whose name is the branch, and he shall grow up out of his place, and he shall build the temple of the Lord. Even he shall build the temple of the Lord, and he shall bear the glory, and shall sit and rule upon his throne, and he shall be a priest upon his throne, and the council of peace shall be between them both, and the crown shall be to Helam, and to, and to Tobiah, and to Jedediah, and to Hen, and the sons of Zephaniah for a memorial in the temple of the Lord. And they that are far off shall come and build in the temple of the Lord, and you shall know that he, the Lord of hosts, hath sent me unto you And this shall come to pass if he will will diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God.
0: Okay. Thank you, Ted. So, again, the coexistence. uh, Here, Messiah is called the branch, (laughs) interestingly. And there are other places where he's called the branch as well, as you know. Okay. So, uh, Christ is going to reign as king, but also as prophet and priest. And there will be a priesthood modeled after the Levitical offering actual sacrifices, okay? So the priesthood of Christ, according to Melchizedek, will coexist with this other priesthood. Now, how this can happen, how how it can be reality, you and I may not be able to understand because we're under a different system today we do not have any law governing us we're under grace right but they will have not only a law at that time but it will be an absolute law the law of the kingdom and therefore there will be transgressions against that law there'll not be sin in an ultimate sense the sins have been paid for okay but there will be sacrifices and uh, the people are living on this earth and many of them in in physical bodies others are resurrected but many in physical bodies still with the sin nature and so there will be rebellion in their hearts from time to time but there will be this sacrificial system to allow the ceremonial fellowship of the kingdom to prosper okay so that's a fact now um you may say and i have often thought well how can it be because we when we read in uh, the letter to the hebrews in chapter 10 and we're going to look at that uh mostly next time but let me just introduce it now uh we'll have linda read and and then patty but uh in the letter to the hebrews there are things said that seem to contradict that okay about how there can be no more sacrifice once the one sacrifice has been accomplished so i'm going to actually leave you today with maybe a a question on your minds how it can be simply because we don't have time to proceed uh into the depth of this today but uh we're going to read from hebrews now and then i'll make a final comment and hopefully you won't be left with too much confusion at least that's my goal but uh and now remember, this is written not about the coming kingdom. Hebrews is not written about the coming kingdom. It's written about real people right then who could have fully accepted the completed work of, of Christ, but who had not yet done that, right? They had put themselves under a law and they now needed to come under the fullness of grace. That's the purpose for which Hebrews is written. Okay. So let's just read couple of verses. Linda, in Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 and
1: 12. But for Christ, being come and a high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in, in once into the holy place having attained eternal redemption for us.
0: Okay, notice he says, eternity, he, he obtained eternal redemption for us, okay? And that is us indeed today. And we have received it, and we live in the glory and grace of it, right? Uh, and there are no more sacrifices to be offered as a result, okay? But... Then, uh, <laughs> what are the implications of that? And in Hebrews chapter 10, we read much about that. We'll look into that more next time. But, Patty, read these final verses here uh, in verses 14 through 18. And that's going to set the <coughs> st- stage, really, for our next study here.
1: For by one offering he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. Whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that, he had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin
0: okay thank you um that last verse is the one that probably sticks in your mind and has for a long time also in mine right where remission of these is there is no more offering for sin okay um, the author is writing to people who are living in the time of the dispensation of the grace of god okay there is no law during this dispensation If there were a law, you and I would be breaking that law. And we would be unclean ceremonially by the very fact of us breaking that law. But there is no law today. We cannot be ceremonially unclean today. (laughs) And in fact, what we're called upon to do is rest in the fullness of God's grace, right? And live in the glory of it. The Apostle Paul writes about that everywhere, right? But such was not the case under the Levitical law. Nobody could be saved by keeping it, but what we're going to see next time is that actual salvation, even back then, was through the the looking forward to the coming of the Lamb of God, right? Looking forward to the priest who was according to the order of Melchizedek, Okay. Whereas in the future time in the kingdom, when they're under kingdom law, salvation is by looking back to the completed work of Christ on the cross. And the sacrifices are merely for the sake of highlighting that in the minds of the people and allowing them to uh, get past the fact that they've broken kingdom law uh which was required of them. Okay, so for the sake of the kingdom fellowship they need to bring forth sacrifices. Um now that's a fact. Now we may not feel like we understand it, but but I think the key is understanding the dispensational change uh, between now and then. Okay? And the dispensational change is extremely significant. If one is under the law of God, then there's an issue when the law is broken. Even if the kingdom occurs 2,000 years after Christ has already died for the sins of the world, right? That's just a fact. God states it here in his word. He does not contradict himself. Dispensationally, we understand through right division, how this will all work okay uh, i'm going to say more about it next time just to conclude the subject but what i recommend strongly is that you uh open the word study these scriptures and re- read read uh, the notes that i put out every week too it'll help you right to focus in because much is written there that i'm not actually uh repeating here on sunday morning okay so Praise the Lord for his grace today. We really are living in the fullness of it now, and we are not under a law, but under grace. It makes a difference. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Okay, any uh, questions or comments before we go on to prayer today? I do, Jim. Okay, go ahead, Lisa.
1: Um, and I probably asked you this question in the past, and I... and I um, I've been over these verses, and i I just don't have a clear understanding, so forgive me if I've asked you this question before okay um I definitely understand what you're saying about how we're not under the law, and I appreciate that so much, you know being reminded of that and and I'm very grateful for that, but I don't understand what Paul means in Romans three at the very end, where he's talking about the law of faith, and he says um at the very end of Romans three he says do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid, yea, we establish the law. What what law are we to establish if we're not under the law?
0: Okay, you, the answer is, is simple, but um, it may take you a while to grasp it. I mean, it takes everybody a while, I think, to realize this. Um, if we substituted for the word law the word principle, it would help a lot.
1: Okay.
0: Um uh, there are many different types of laws or regulations, okay. God operates according to principles. Sometimes those principles are written down in stone, okay? <laughs> like the like the Mosaic legal system, right? Okay. Uh, sometimes they're not. Um sometimes they're written in the hearts in the soft tables of the hearts, right? um that's rather different uh, indeed but but doesn't scripture say that god will write the law in the heart right so it's a totally different kind of thing uh what paul is saying there in romans is that sometimes he is talking about the the actual mosaic law okay that was written in stone and and i think we need to discern when he's referring to that and when he isn't in romans especially those early chapters there sometimes he's not writing about the mosaic law he's talking about principle the principles of god according to which god works okay so when when paul says uh i'm i establish the law he's not establishing the mosaic law he's not saying that there he's saying i'm establishing the principle of, of 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 divine rule and there's a big difference between divine rule in the heart as opposed to imposition externally a very okay. very difference so that's um, that should help to understand what Paul is writing there in Romans.
1: that does help me because in verse twenty eight it says, "Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law, mm-hmm. and so if we're justified by faith without the deeds of the law." Why would he be asking us to establish the law in verse thirty-one? That 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 just didn't make sense to me.
0: Right, and so what's to be established is the sovereign rule of God okay. over us dispensationally, however that dispensation is. Okay,
1: that's helpful. Thank you, Jim.
0: Yeah, and also there's something in the Greek language too. There often, and it doesn't get reflected in the translations very well. But but in the Greek language, you have a, a clear uh, and distinctive use of the definite article, uh, whereas in English it's much less clear and in Hebrew much less clear, but in Greek, very clear. So when there's a definite article in front of a noun in in Greek, okay, so like if it had the word law and then in front of it it had ha, which is a definite article, the law, that's talking about either a specific law revealed, like Moses, okay, or some law previously mentioned in the context, okay? So the refers to something specific, right? If there's no definite article and it just has the word law, it's talking about legal principles of some kind, the rule of God, however that is in the particular context revealed, okay? So, uh, in the, in the translations, they don't consistently translate or, or leave out Articles as they should It would be much easier For us to understand if they did Another reason Why no translation Is inspired It's only the original language Okay Okay um, By the way the King James Is is better in that respect uh, Consistently translating Such things than the other translations It's just not not perfect Okay, anything else to comment before we close today? We're going a little long today. Um, Okay, let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer then. Father God, we do thank you for the gathering us this morning. And uh, Father, I, I I feel very strongly, I'm sure all of us do here, that as we open your word, there's still much to be uh, comprehended, much to be understood. And apart from your teaching, we cannot understand it. So, Father, I pray that you can consistently work as you've promised to do if we will only come to you within a, a clear mind in this regard that uh, we want to know uh, you better we want to know our lord jesus better we want to know the essence of our salvation more completely and we we want to enjoy you according to the riches of your grace so please give us understanding as we do that uh weekly daily uh and whenever you uh enable us to open your precious word so I pray, Father, for each one in our group here that we continue on to study to show ourselves approved unto you, workmen that need not to be ashamed, ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth. And, Father, we'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen.